The following sermon is from Grace Church East County. More information about Grace Church is available at gracechurcheast.org. Alan is going to come and read our passage for us this morning. We're in Revelation chapter 8, verses 1 through 5. So take your Bibles, your Bible app, turn to that passage. Let's give our attention to the reading of God's Word. When the Lamb opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about a half an hour. Then I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and seven trumpets were given to them. And another angel came and stood at the altar with a golden censer, and he was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the the prayers of these saints rose before God from the hand of the angel. Then the angel took the censer and felt it, with fire from the altar and threw it on the earth. And there were peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. I'll pray for us. Dear Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for loving us. Lord, I pray that you just open our hearts and minds as Dan preaches our word. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Alan. Okay, kids, like Rick said, we are so happy to have you in the service. I'm gonna to try to say Things in some ways will help you guys understand. Oh, there aren't too many little ones here, but there's a few. I'm also going to try to do something super risky. I'm going to take a chance and start with a video this morning. We'll see how this goes. Um, does anybody, anybody besides my son Simeon know who Mark Rober is? He is a, there we go. He's a former NASA scientist. He uh, makes these Make Science Fun videos on YouTube. Um, and he makes this thing called elephant's toothpaste, which is awesome. He, he takes kind of this big container of colored liquid, then he pours something into it, and he gets this, this huge explosion, and it looks a lot cooler than it sounds. So let's see how this goes here. All right. Kids, do you think that something you do could ever be a part of something like that someday? Do you think you could make a big explosion like that someday? I don't know. We're gonna talk about that. Keep listening. Grown-ups, do you guys recognize what we saw in that video? It was a, it was a catalyst, wasn't it? It was, it was something that when poured into something else causes a huge reaction. Now, I hope you're asking yourselves, what does this have to do with Revelation chapter eight? Keep that video in your mind because that's gonna help us explain the passage this morning. And we should be asking, why does this matter? This passage, this strange vision of, of angels and trumpets and balls of fire, what does God want us to take away from this? Well, let me ask you something. Do you ever wonder if it matters when you pray? Whether someone like you can make any difference by what you pray? You ever have that question? That's me for sure, and I'm sure it is for you too. This vision that we're gonna talk about this morning is here to teach us that our prayers are what God uses to bring his kingdom here to earth. God uses our prayers to bring his kingdom here on earth. That's a big claim. Kids, let me say that in a way that you might understand. I'm used to little words. God acts when you pray. I want you to believe that, kids. God's act when you pray. That's, it's easy to be skeptical about that claim, so let's let God's word help us this morning in three ways. There's three things I think this passage teaches us about our prayers and how God acts when we pray. The first one is the context of our prayers. Look at verse one with me again. The context of our prayers. When the lamb opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. 
So it's good to remember where we are on the map of Revelation, right? Because it can get confusing. I know I can get confused. So we're about to open the seventh and the last seal that reveals God's plan to bring the fullness of his kingdom, his rule on earth as it is in heaven. That symbolic number seven represents perfection, completeness, fullness. It goes all the way back to Genesis chapter one when God rested on the seventh day from the work that he did in creation. In verse two, we read about seven angels and seven trumpets, and that's, that's a signal. That's like a little marker on the map to us that's gonna tell us we're about to start one of those, Tab used the word last week, recapitulation. We're gonna start this cycle of like a different camera angle on this judgment time over and over again. So we've seen seven seals. Later in the book, we're gonna see seven trumpets and seven bowls, and these are cycles of judgment that result in the judgment, the last judgment. And our passage today is looking from one angle at that seventh seal, at the final judgment at the end of the age when Christ returns to bring in the new creation. Like that song that we sang, that was so beautiful, Rick. Heaven changes everything. One day, you're coming back. We're gonna read about that today. We're gonna hear about that. These verses also give us a new camera angle, a new look on the prayers of the saints, on prayers of people like you and me, from heaven's perspective. Now, it's important to be reminded of the scene we're observing here. This, this last seal is being opened. We're about to see the climactic judgment of the age. It's a big deal. And we have to kind of carry over. I know it's hard from week to week, but we have to carry over some of the emotion from the end of chapter six. I don't know if you remember, but the end of chapter six, that, that sixth seal, people were hiding on earth the most powerful kings, to the least important slave were running, looking for places to hide anywhere they could because of the wrath of the lamb. It's a terrifying scene. Even with the assurance that God seals, that God protects his people, that can be frightening. But we gotta remember this context, who is opening that seal? It's the lamb, it's the conqueror, it's the worthy one who is acting to bring about the culmination of God's kingdom. That lamb is our shepherd, that the lamb is in control here should give us comfort and security at the end of the age, that Jesus is opening the seal should give us comfort and it should give us security here. Now, there's something kind of unusual about how this verse describes heaven, isn't there? I don't know if you saw it. What was it like in heaven when the lamb opened that last seal? It was silent dead quiet. And that's so different from what Revelation has shown us so far. It's been describing heaven as full of, of unending worship, shouts of praise from all the saints, an unaccountable crowd. This is like the loudest sports stadium you've ever been in, times a thousand, and then all of a sudden, silence. This kind of makes me think of what I was like. I was trying to think about how to talk about silence. And it was like when I used to be on a ship, uh, in the Navy, we'd be at sea, and it's always noisy. There's ventilation running, there's engines turning, the water's going past all, it's never, ever quiet. But every so often, something, not very often, something would go wrong in the engineering plant, and the power would go out, and it would just get quiet. And I was the guy that ran the engineering plant, so that was terrifying for me. <laughs> when it got quiet, I knew something was wrong. And this is kind of like that. This is a silence that says something's wrong. It's the silence that precedes judgment. 
This is a silence that comes before judgment. You know, this, this idea of silence as a response to God's majesty and judgment is all through the Old Testament. Let me read you just two examples. Habakkuk 2.20, Yahweh is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence. Zechariah 2.13, be silent, all flesh before Yahweh, for he has roused himself from his holy dwelling. This silence is a response in heaven and on earth to God's glory revealed in justice and in judgment. You know, in this single verse, kind of shows us the outline of the entire gospel. So it warns us of judgment that's coming, doesn't it? Judgment that's gonna come to every individual on the earth for ways that we've all rebelled against God. But it also, it also invites us to the Lamb to be rescued from the coming judgment through his blood. As we follow Jesus, we become, we become different people. Instead of rebels against the king, we become children. We become saints. Instead of raging against God like we saw at the end of chapter six, like we're gonna see elsewhere in Revelation, instead of arguing and fighting against God, we become people who, who pray to God, who cry out to him. So let's let verses three and four help us see the value of our prayers. I want you to see the value of your prayers. Let's read those verses together. Another angel came and stood at the altar with a golden censer and he was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar before the throne and the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints rose before God from the hand of the angel. We've seen the prayers of the saints before in John's vision, haven't we? We saw chapter five where the elders around the throne are carrying these bowls full of the prayers of God's saints. Then again, in chapter six, we see Saints who were killed for their testimony, crying out to God. Um, now, maybe you say, hey, I'm not a martyr. I'm not gonna be killed for my faith, so I'm kind of not me in chapter six. And I'm really not sure my prayers are important enough for the elders to be carrying them around in front of God's throne. But sisters and brothers, verse four disagrees with that. It's important for us to see ourselves in this passage. I want you to see yourself in Revelation chapter eight this morning. And there's one word that makes all the difference there. It's the word all. What is the angel carrying? He's carrying the prayers of all the saints. Are you a saint this morning? Are you a follower of Jesus this morning? Then that angel is carrying your prayers, your prayers, your prayers before God's throne. This passage is talking about you. And how much does God treasure those prayers the angel brings before him? He puts our prayers on the altar in front of his very throne. And I love how the NASB translates this verse. Much incense was given to him, that is to the angel, so that he might add it to the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar, which was before the throne. On the altar. Get this picture. The picture here is of God collecting all of our prayers all of the ways that we've talked to him and putting them carefully right in front of him. So kids, let me help you try to understand this. Those, those papers you're coloring on right now or those drawings you make in CM class or at school or at home, they're, 
they're probably not that important to you, are they? You're gonna leave them on your chair. You're gonna run away, um, go play after church. But you know what your parents do with those things, kids? Your parents pick those up. They take them home. They put them in a box. They put them in an envelope and they save them. They love those pictures. They love those little presents because they love you, kids. That's how God, that's how God thinks about the prayers that you pray, that we pray. He loves those prayers, Grace Church, because he loves us. Okay, I want you to get that. What what difference does it make? Does this make a difference when you're wondering if your prayers matter? Does it make a difference when suffering is real and doesn't stop? Does it make a difference when the weight of injustice and sin and ugliness in the world just seems hopeless? I hope it does. I hope it makes a difference to you to know that your loving Heavenly Father is, is carefully, lovingly gathering your prayers and putting them on the altar in front of his throne where, where the sweet smell of them just goes up before his face night and day. There is value. There's value in your prayers, my friend. But there's more than value. There's much more. There is, there is power in your prayers. They have an effect. And verse five is gonna describe this for us, the, the effect of our prayers. Now, I was talking to Tab about this the other day. It's important for us to get our time horizons right here. I'm not saying that something I pray today is gonna be answered today. We pray a lot of prayers. When we pray for our fellow churches or we pray for persecuted saints, we pray for, for things and we might not see an answer for years. We might not ever see the answer and those prayers can get really abstract, can't they? You can get tired of praying those prayers. You can wonder like, why am I keeping on with this? I don't see an answer. I don't know if I'll ever be able to see an answer. Why do I keep going? That's what verse five is gonna help us with, the effect of our prayers. So look at verse five, what happened? The angel took the censer, he's, he's carrying this ball of incense, going up before God's our prayers, he filled that censer with fire from the altar and he threw it onto the earth and there were peals of thunder, there were rumblings, flashes of lightning and an earthquake. This is how, This is how John is perceiving the final judgment that God is releasing on the earth. This exact same language happens again. We're gonna see it again at the end of the seven trumpets. That's gonna be chapter 11. And then again in chapter 16 at the end of the seven bowls. Although in each one of those passages, the description gets amplified. It's like he's zooming in more and more. They're gonna get described as more severe. We gotta remember this isn't, a literal description of what's going on. The thunder, the lightning, the rumblings, the earthquake. They're not describing natural phenomenon on the earth. They're describing the arrival of God himself. Next year, we're gonna get to the story of Israel meeting with God at Mount Sinai. I'm gonna give you a sneak preview right now. Listen to how Exodus chapter 19 describes God descending on Mount Sinai, and and listen and see if you can hear Revelation chapter eight in that. Exodus 19, on the morning of the third day, there were thunders and lightnings. There was a thick cloud on the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. Now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke 
because Yahweh had descended on it in fire and the whole mountain trembled greatly. And as the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke and God answered him in thunder. The Lord came down on Mount Sinai. Did you hear our passage in that description from Exodus? Verse five in Revelation 8, it's describing God himself. God himself coming down to earth to the rescue of his suffering people and to bring about his kingdom rule. That is what's happening in verse five. In verse four, we saw ourselves in the prayers of all the saints. I want you guys to see yourselves here too. I want us to see ourselves in verse five. Five, this vision promises us that God will come to our rescue. The trials and the problems in this world will not have the final victory. God himself will come to our rescue one day. Now, you may understand how this verse talks about the effect. Sorry, but where is our prayers in verse five? They're in the first word, and it's the word I left off when I started to read the passage. What's the first word in verse five? The word then. Then the angel took the censer. Well, what happened before that? When did he take it? It's when the prayers of the saints rose before God. Leon Morris comments, this is not an unrelated parenthesis. John means us to see that the prayers of God's people are supremely important. Do you believe that this morning? Your prayers are supremely important? You should. Our prayers, your prayers, my prayers play a significant role in the coming of God's kingdom to its final completion. Believe it or not. Back to the video we watched at the beginning, those those little buckets of chemical that were dumped into the big buckets, those small buckets, those are like our prayers that rise up before God. Just like the foam exploded and spread all around in that video, God's final judgment will explode on the earth as a response to our prayers, to the prayers of his people. And this should help us think about our sisters and brothers around the world being persecuted for their faith. You know, the thunder, the lightning, the earthquake of verse five, those are God's response to the cries of the martyrs in chapter six. How long until you avenge us, God, they asked. God answered, rest a little longer. But now in chapter eight, a little longer is over. Now, one of the things I can be tempted by when I'm doing a sermon is, okay, I wanna, I wanna make it comforting and make sure that, you know, that, that uh, we're taking something away. And I wanna make sure you don't think I'm just making this part about God coming down to earth because the passage doesn't explicitly say that to try to give you hope. I want you to see that John is drawing on themes that are throughout the scripture, particularly throughout the Old Testament to describe God as he responds to his people's prayers. A good read for this afternoon or some day this week as you're meditating is Psalm 18. Psalm 18 is a longer psalm that David wrote at a time in his life when after over 10 years of running from Saul, who was trying to kill him, he was finally delivered from his enemies and made the reigning king of Israel. He writes 
this psalm to describe what had been happening in his life up to that point. And here's just a few words, a few verses from that psalm. Listen to how closely this matches what John describes. David writes, in my distress, I called upon the Lord. To my God, I cried for help. And from his temple, he heard my voice and my cry to him reached his ears. Then the earth reeled and rocked. The foundations of the mountains trembled and quaked because he was angry. The Lord thundered in the heavens and the most high uttered his voice, hailstones and coals of fire. Do you see the cause and effect relationship there? David cried to God for salvation and God answered him. Psalm 18 describes this as God coming down in thunder and fire, just like we see in Revelation 8. God coming to the salvation of his people who cry out to him, God, help. That is the effect of our prayers, Grace Church. As one preacher said, our prayers, in a manner of speaking, move the hands of him who moves the world. That's significant. Our prayers, in a manner of speaking, move the hands of God who moves the world. So let's make some quick application here. We've seen the context of our prayers rising in a silent heaven ready to unleash judgment. We've seen the value of our prayers, how much, how much God treasures the words of his people. And we've seen the effects of our prayers, the catalyst that brings God himself to avenge his suffering saints and complete his rule on the earth. So here's the simple application for today. Keep praying. That's it. That's all I got. Nothing fancy or profound. Keep praying. And I know I know this can be a hard message to listen to about how valuable and how powerful our prayers are because I know it doesn't feel that way when we don't see our prayers being answered. We can wonder whether the prayers we pray for health, for help, for the salvation of someone we love or a thousand other things are worth praying. I struggle with this. I do. There are things I have prayed for. I don't see the answer to those. And I get discouraged, and I know you do too. And Jesus knew that we would feel that way. Isn't that great? He knew that we would feel that way. So in Luke chapter 18, he told his disciples a story to encourage them to pray and not to get discouraged, not to lose heart. And here's how the story ends. Will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? No, I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Keep praying. When we feel discouraged in prayer and when we feel like our prayers aren't doing any good, I think that this passage is Revelation 8 and just thinking about prayer in general. I think it points us to one prayer that we can pray that will certainly be answered. You know, we don't always know if our prayers are definitely going to be answered. We try to pray in alignment with God's will. We, we try to read the scripture and do those things, but is there a prayer that I can pray that I know without a doubt will be answered? I think the answer is yes. And that prayer is one that Jesus taught his disciples. It's what we call the Lord's Prayer. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth. And verse five of Revelation eight is what it looks like 
when God responds to that prayer, his kingdom is coming. His will is going to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Verse five is what it looks like when this prayer is finally and fully answered. It's a good thing Jesus didn't just tell us to pray that way, but he showed us what it looks like to pray that way. In the Garden of Gethsemane, the night before he went to his death, he prayed the same thing he taught his disciples, didn't he? Not my will, but your will be done. That may have been the most powerful prayer ever prayed because it led to the greatest victory ever won, the Lamb's decisive victory over sin and over Satan. And it's a prayer that we can pray too in ways big and small. We can pray, let your kingdom come in big ways. And we can pray in our lives, not my will, but yours be done. And be completely sure that one day those prayers, no matter, no matter how weak they feel, no matter how insignificant they feel, will become part of the catalyst that brings our God to earth to judge sin and bring his kingdom into full reality. In fact, it's a prayer we're gonna pray together right now as a way of applying God's word to our lives as a church family. Please, please stand with me. We're gonna pray the words together on the screen of the Lord's Prayer. And as we pray, let's pray remembering that this prayer is rising to God like a sweet smell of incense. And this prayer one day will unleash his return to make all things new. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I wanna invite Rick, the musicians can come back up. Those who are serving the Lord's Supper can come as well. As they're coming up, let's, let's just reflect on this vision from God's word this morning. Where do you need to take this home? Maybe you need to remember that your prayers are valuable. You need to remember that God treasures your prayers as a parent treasures as gifts from their children. Maybe you need to be encouraged today that your prayers will have an effect, maybe not today, but on that last day for sure, that God will return, that he will come to the rescue of his church with perfect justice. Whatever it is, let's just be quiet for a minute. Let the Holy Spirit just apply his word to our lives. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Grace Church East County. Please find us online at gracechurcheast.org if you would like to find out more about us.